Hi, everyone. I'm Gary Nall. Nice to have you with us today. We have an empowering hour. And it begins with a study from the National University of Singapore. And it was published in the peer-reviewed journal Aging Research Reviews. And it's about just three nutrients. Resveratrol, that's what you get when you eat grapes or drink red wine. Not a lot when you drink red wine. You'd have to drink a case of red wine to get real benefit. But if you took resveratrol as a supplement, like 100, 200 milligrams, that would be terrific. Vitamin E and the soy isoflavones or the soy isolates, which you get if you have a you know, piece of tofu or tempeh. In any case, what happens is this. It helps to prevent the uh, senescence from going toxic in the body. What do I mean? As you age, which really kicks into high gear at the age of 27, yes, cellular senescence, which means the end of a cell's life, occurs when aged cells cease to divide normally and enter a state in which, rather than being eliminated, which is good, they don't. They kind of clog up the system. They persist, and when they're persisting, these aged and dead cells secrete substances that harm the surrounding healthy cells. Now, scientifically, in all of our anti-aging studies, we measure cellular senescence, one of the key hallmarks of aging. For example, a feature of it is uh, when you stop a cell proliferation, when you have a macular molecular damage to the cell. And by the way, your damage can come from electromagnetic frequencies like a cell phone, a laptop, Wi-Fi, 5G, and none of that, unfortunately, is ever explained to people. And it should be. And if you want to read a really important article on that, that's fully scientifically referenced, it's, uh, in fact, I have, I believe, around 3,000 scientific references. Go to GaryAndAll.com, look under Articles, look under 5G. In any case... Let's just say you eat a high-protein diet. That really is bad for you. You have a lot of sugar, yeast, bad. Alcohol in any amount, really bad. And what this does, it damages cells. In an average day of your, let's just say, hypothetically 50 trillion cells you have in your body, it'll be more or less depending upon your size. Um, The cell has to get nutrition into the cell and oxygen into the cell and then it has to take the waste material out of the cell. Just like when you eat and you defecate, the nutrients go in the body and then are absorbed, and then the fibrous material sweeps it out. And that's healthy, that's normal. But the cells themselves have to go through a similar process. They have to get rid of these inflammatory agents or they end up just causing healthy cells around them to die. So. That's why you want to be able to cleanse the body. That's why having a healthy plant-based diet and drinking lots of fresh green juices, uh, having lots of green vegetables in the diet, that helps cleanse the system. Well, resveratrol, vitamin E, and soy protein isolates are very promising in helping to speed up this process of getting the damaged senescence aged cells out of the body, therefore slowing down the aging process. Now, our next study comes from NARA, N-A-R-A, Women's University in Japan. Now, a lot of people, I'm sure, in this audience don't drink. 
And some people think, well, I'm, I'm drinking red wine and that's healthy. Well, that's not true. Any alcohol is damaging to the brain, the liver, the kidneys, the heart, and digestive system. And even if you don't get drink, uh, drunk and you drink socially and responsibly, you're still damaging cells. However, what is it in the red wine, or what more importantly is in the grapes, and more importantly that, what's in the grape juice, and that is resveratrol. And so this study wanted to see are there other ways of inhibiting inflammatory agents, what we call COX-2, and that suppresses inflammation. For example, you have an infl inflammation in your joints, you have arthritis, or in your muscles, and uh, uh, fibromyalgia, or your in intestine, or in your brain. All that damages cells, and over time, serious, even life-ending events can occur. So anything that is natural and non-toxic that can, in effect, be the fire extinguishers that puts out the fire in your cell, the inflammation, that's good. So here's what we have found. Please make note of these. I'm going to give you six essential oils. They include thyme, T-H-Y-M-E, clove, rose, eucalyptus, fennel, and bergamot. That's B-E-R-G-A-M-O-T. What do they all have in common? They all can suppress the inflammatory COX-2 enzyme in a manner similar to what resveratrol does. Now, why not do both? Why not have some grape juice, organic grape juice, or organic grape concentrate? That would give you a lot. Or if you want the most amount of resveratrol, just get a you know 200 milligram capsule. But in any case, there are chemicals in these oils that are linked with the health benefits of, of resveratrol. And uh, they also identified in this study the chemical Carvacrol, C-A-R-V-A-C-R-O-L, and that was primarily responsible for this suppressive activity. Now, essential oils, I'm sure many of you have used them. When people have a hard time sleeping, the little stress, I say take three drops of eucalyptus oil and put it on your pillow. That helps you. Even putting it on uh, your sleeve or your collar during the daytime uh, can help you if you're stressed throughout the day. Anyhow, the plant oils have been used as home remedies. And even today, you might call them aromatherapy, but they have analgesic uh, properties. They have antibacterial properties. And uh, they're really important. Now we see that they have the capacity to turn off pain in the body. So they screened a wide range of commercially available oils and identified six, the ones I told you about, that reduced COX-2 expression in cells by at least 25%. And of these, thyme oil was the best. Get this, it suppressed the inflammatory COX-2 by 75%. That's a big deal. So, just want to share that with you. Now, the University of Nottingham did a study on mindfulness at work. And what does it do? It protects you against stress and burnout. A new study has revealed that employees who are more mindful in the digital workplace are better protected against stress, anxiety, and overload. And that they did this at the University of Nottingham School of Psychology and Medicine. 
and uh, participants in this study were surveyed about their experiences of the dark side of the digital workplace, which were identified as stress, overload, anxiety, fear of missing out, and addiction, and how these affected their health. The results showed that more digitally confident workers were less likely to experience digital workplace anxiety, while those with higher mindfulness were better protected against all of the downside, dark side of the digital workplace. And more and more people are working in digital workplaces. So just mindful meditation makes a difference. And from the University of League in Belgium, researchers find relaxing words heard during sleep can slow the heart down. The Center for Research uh, at the University of League revealed that the sleeping body also reacts to the external world during sleep, explaining how some information from the sensory environment can affect sleep quality. Researchers at the university collaborated with the University of Freiburg in Switzerland to investigate whether the body is truly disconnected from the external world during sleep. To do so, they focused on how the heartbeat changes when we hear different words during sleep. And they found that relaxing words slowed down cardiac activity as a reflection of deeper sleep and in comparison to neutral words that did not have such a slowing effect. And the authors hypothesized that the brain also remains able to interpret sensory information in a way that makes our body more relaxed after hearing relaxation words during sleep. And that's important because we want to bring our heartbeat down into a healthy range. Most people have a heartbeat, especially when they work in a city, especially when they're, when there's so much stress and in commuting and, and in the workplace itself. Not all workplaces are friendly and hospitable. And so your heartbeat goes up, even if you're not aware of it. And that shortens your lifespan. Not good. And by the way, Let's go back, and we're going back a ways to the 1970s, when in New York City they had the first of the isolation tanks. And there was someone I knew, I had one in his office. It looked like a, it looked like an egg. And you open it up, and there's salt water in there. And you lie down in the salt water in your bathing suit, and they close it, and it's completely dark. It's a sensory deprivation. And you can have it just that way, and you just float in the water. You can't sink. And it's very peaceful. Then other ones would have a talk going on, where you have two different conversations going on simultaneously, one in each ear, and then boom, you just go right out. And because uh, the body can't handle the left and right brain having two messages simultaneously, can't process it. But then they also had meditation and words being said over and over again. Now compare that, what really benefited people, brought their blood pressure down, their blood sugar down, helped them relax, get a better night's sleep. You were in there for an hour. Now yeah, they had a shower, so when you got out, your body was all salty and you had to shower down, but it was worth it. I used to do it every week, once, once a week. Then I got my own shell, and I put it out in my house in New Jersey on Lake Apacong. And I'd go out on the weekends. 
Well, needless to say, I had a lot of friends. Hey, Gary, what are you doing this week? I'm going out to the lake. Hey, mind if I come along? Yeah. I said, fine. And they all wanted to use that shell. And, uh, and it was very beneficial. And then a whole center opened up downtown. And they had this, they must have had 15 of these in there. Some of you remember from the Healing Springs Ranch at, at the spa we had there. We had the herbal body wraps and the, and the Dead Sea salt scrubs and the volcanic ash. That, oh, the, I got pictures up on the internet. On, um, if you go up to GaryNull.com, go under Photo Gallery, go under Ranch, Healing Springs Ranch, you'll see all of us. We look strange. That was where all this volcanic mud was put on. And then you sit in the sun and it dries and it draws the toxins out. It's really very therapeutic. Anyhow, and then afterwards you shower off and then you massage into yourself the uh, essential oils. In any case, that, at that time it was coconut oil and uh, not olive oil, but it was avocado oil and walnut oil. In any case, uh, it was very relaxing. So if you have a chance to do an isolation chamber, do so. It's very beneficial. In any case, uh, Ohio State University has a study about yoga and yoga, on a regular basis, reduces the cytokine levels known to promote inflammation. So, regularly practicing yoga can lower a number of compounds in your blood and reduce the level of inflammation that normally rises because of both normal aging and stress. Once again, something helps you de-stress. And it reduces the interleukin-6, which is a really pro-inflammatory. So deep breathing and yoga, less inflammation. And finishing off that one uh, statement that I was making just a moment ago, you want to have a healthier, lower heart rate. And if you hear certain words at, when you're sleeping, and you can get you can get those apps or even a tape uh, to help you go to sleep, but then you can get ones that reinforce positive thought and healing in the words, and now this study shows you, yeah, even though you're asleep, you're hearing the words, and if they're the right words, it calms you down even more, brings your heart rate down. Now, we also know that just the opposite is true. Think of all the harsh words that we hear, the negative words we hear, the vulgar words we hear. That does not help us. That harms us. And finally, from Peking Union Medical College, whether you exercise regularly or one to two days a week, weight loss is possible. So I'm suggesting exercising six days a week, half of it in the morning, half of it in the late afternoon or early evening. I suggest you go for a walk after each meal for about 20 minutes. That helps speed up digestion. It helps bring down your, your blood sugar level. And for diabetic and pre-diabetic, it's very important. But a lot of people think, well, if I can't exercise every day, I'm not going to exercise at all. What's the point? The study shows even, even twice a week, exercise is still better than not exercising. This was published in the journal Obesity. And the study is the first of its kind to examine the association between physical activity patterns and objectively measuring fat tissue mass, meaning getting the fat off. So ideally, you want to do, I would say, Steps, minimum of 10,000 a day, ideally 20,000, and a huge difference. That's the latest on health and nutrition. We're going to take a break and come right back. Please stay with us. I'd like to welcome all of you 
We have some very important clips to play this week. This week it's all about censorship. Because what happens when people who are known for their quality of investigation, who are always right, like a Chris Hedges, you know, an Abby Martin, when she talks about the uh, discrimination in Israel towards the Palestinian people, not the Hamas supporters, just people who just want to live their life, they're non-political, but they're influenced every, every second of a day by the body politic. And she spends months there. No one in the mainstream media will interview her, but they'll interview NGOs, they'll interview people recommended by the different lobbies, and we're expected to believe that that's the truth. And it's not. So all this week, I'm going to be putting on topics to show you that they're coming for our speech. They want to weaponize it. They're doing other stupid things as well. And by the way, it's good that some really bad things have happened. Not good to the victims, but good that it's now out in the open. They can't say it's a conspiracy theory. We see them. You know, uh, all the things they're doing. Uh, just as one example. Um, and I'm going to have Meryl Nass on the show this week to talk about uh, censorship and surveillance because she's just done a whole report about how Bill Gates partnered with Gavi Vaccine Alliance to target all of the online talk about vaccine hesitancy. Even if you have a legitimate concern about vaccine safety, you're pro-vaccine but hesitant, they want to criminalize that. And they call it health disinformation super spreaders. And uh, so everything you could possibly think of in your life that you felt was your sacred, uh, it was sacred to you. Not now. Not now. Anyhow, I'm going to get to all this in a few moments and every day this week, and I'll be giving good examples of this. But I want to begin today by asking you all to write down some numbers. Because, especially for WBAI, now I realize that a lot of people on BAI who listen to this program are not comfortable with the internet. So they don't go to PRN.live, for example, to listen to a show on Tuesday evening. That's why I put it on BAI on Wednesday. Progressive commentary hour. Boy, do I have a blistering commentary tomorrow by probably the world's leading expert on on how how we all can be silenced. In any case, and what they're doing to make sure that happens. He's a world-leading expert. But I, I want you to know that in the very near future, I'll be celebrating a special anniversary, my 48th year on WBAI. In fact, it's just about a little over two weeks. But also, that will be the end of my tenure on WBAI. So I always like to do things uh, on a high level. And uh, and I'll be doing a whole in-depth discussion about what I believe could help BAI survive, if it's possible. Right now, there's a massive campaign by people associated with Pacifica who are doing all they can to take BAI's license away. They're actually gone to the FTC and trying to accuse its management and its broadcasters of not following the guidelines and therefore take away the license. Well, why would anyone want to have the license taken away? Your guess is as good as mine. I don't know these people. I do not engage in the politics, never have, not once, 
at the station level, at the, uh, the, the board meetings, the national level. I've communicated with people at the national level when I have concerns. I've shared suggestions that they've never used. Uh, and why am I making this decision at this time? Well, the final straw, and I'm not going to go through everything at this time, but the final straw was an 80-year-old uh, woman, listener, who lives off her Social Security, who a year ago ordered one of the premiums, my premiums, never got it. She tried everything she could, writing, telephoning, every way to communicate with the station, and one returned her calls or messages. This is a very common occurrence. Just ask Sharon in my office. Sharon's been with me a long time, decades and decades and decades, as my archivist. And she's the one who tries to help people uh, get some information or an old show, whatever it is. And they call her saying, I didn't get my, you know, I, Gary didn't send me the premium. And she has to explain, well, it's not Gary who sends the premiums, it's the station. And well, I didn't get it. No one communicates. And so we sent that off to the station, and again, no response after a month. And in all of life, there's always a final tipping point where you can no longer make excuses for what is not being done correctly. I'm not blaming people because it's the whole foundation is having financial challenges and way, way uh, down in listenership. But then I have to ask how many times the people did not get their premium or got it really late and just said, well, okay, that's, you know, that's what I expect. Well, you shouldn't. There shouldn't be two standards of expectation of quality, just like uh, anything else. There shouldn't be two standards for law. If you're rich and powerful or you're in the ruling elite, you don't get charged with anything, no matter how accurate the uh, uh, accusations against you are. But anyone else, even if you've done nothing wrong, they'll come after you because they can. They have that much power and control. And by the way, that's partly their weakness now. They have so much control over everything, and they're unbridled in pushing their agenda that even the most naive and indifferent person will look and say, wow, that's terrible. In any case, yes, it is. And by the way, I'll give you some other examples as we go on of what happens when they control the narrative and no one else has an ability to give an input just like cloud seeding in Los Angeles. Yeah, they just finished cloud seeding, thought it was a good thing. It's not a good thing. And I'll play tomorrow a clip of a person who's very articulate on it, explaining what's in that cloud seeding, and how that's damaging your water, your hair, your soil. And they don't care because there's no check and balance. They've controlled everything for a long time. They're not going to give up that control. In any case, um, I'll just give you one example. Now they have the woke Google Gemini. And you saw that they refused, Gemini refused to show anyone as white, as Caucasian, as if they do not exist. Now, remember when I was showing you two years ago and three years ago, the problem with artificial intelligence, and it's all problems as far as I'm concerned, is that the dysfunction biases and the, the extreme behavior of the programmers who are all invisible. You don't know them. And there are thousands and tens of thousands of them. They're all rushing to get the rewards of artificial intelligence. So whatever their limitation is, it's going to be programmed in. 
And now we see where the artificial intelligence is telling us directly um, that they can deceive and do. They don't tell you the truth. Well, suddenly you start looking at a face of George Washington, and he's African-American. Fine if it's Frederick Douglass, but, it, but how could this be acceptable? How did they not know this? Well, of course, they did know it. They have check upon check upon check that has to go through a whole filtering system before it's finally released. Guess what else they said was okay? Pedophilia. You heard me right. They, they did not allow pedophilia to be wrong. Instead, they labeled it as diverse, meaning, quote, individuals cannot control who they are attracted to, end quote. So suddenly they're, they're giving a legitimacy to pedophilia. Now, I know there are people in this audience who would find that reprehensible, but that's where the truth will come from, their truth. That's why they need to censor all people who would challenge it or all forms that challenge it. So now you finally have it upon you. In any case, I'm only sharing that as just a couple of examples, uh, and that's why we need open forums. And BAI and Pacifica has, throughout its history, offered some outstanding, original, hard-hitting investigative journalism. People who have something to say that is of value, they were relevant. But they stopped being relevant when it became more important for some individuals to take power. And unfortunately, about 24 years ago, the last of the progressives in management were, in my opinion, were fired. I knew these people. And... Uh, in fact, I was the last one allowed to stay because they didn't quite know what to do and they came up with a brilliant idea that if they got rid of me for no reason, uh, no communication, and kept me from fundraising, that they didn't need me. And we have the documentation on that. And so I was let go with a terse little note after 27 years. The trouble is no one, uh, no one thought that maybe we should pay Gary a salary. I have not received my salary in 48 years. It's legal. It's there. They owe it. They won't pay it. Okay. Nor PFW in Washington after 36 years. Nor KPFK in Los Angeles after 32 years. So how would you feel if you have a contract that says you're going to be paid what other people have a strip show or pay, but they never get around to paying you? Everything is taken for granted. You're taken for granted. Your audience is despised. Yeah, you are despised. Because we're on their turf. And that's how it's been from day one. Okay, so you do the best you can, even if you're not invited to the party, and even if no one wants to acknowledge anything that you do on a constructive level. But then you have to ask yourself, why can't the executives who run the foundation, who control all stations, the stations are merely appendages. They're DBAs doing business as. All the debt of the stations, all the obligations legally the stations rest with the foundation. So I sent them, why don't you hire really good uh, people to run each station's premiums? And uh, they would find and match a premium with a host. And that's what should be done. And that's what's done on PBS shows and NPR shows. I've been on both. Successfully so, with good relations. And I saw how it was done, and successfully so. You didn't see people within local station uh, boards 
fighting each other verbally and sometimes physically. They actually get stuff done to help the station. And you have to ask them, how's that possible that the stations are in this mess? Well, this is not the time or place to share that insight. But it is the time to say, if you're not giving the resources like a resource development director to help keep the premiums in alignment with the station and the host, and if all the hosts are not willingly cooperating, and that's one of the rubs, you have no idea how many times I've been told, I've, I've submitted my resignation five times in the last 10 years, and just when I was supposed to say goodbye, they said, Gary, if you go now, you know, we've got all these bills we can't pay. Well, why do you have all these bills? Because your audience has shrunk. So why don't you match? Why don't you get on some people that can raise money? You need at least 12 to 15 fundraisers who are all about equal in order to share the responsibility for bringing in the funds. Never happened. Instead, well, just this one time, just this one time. And you have no idea what it's like. You have no idea what it's like when, uh, when you do a premiere, three premieres in a row, and within a year and a half, they each make between twenty-three dollars and $29,000, which is good. That was the point of the object of the exercise. But then nobody says thank you, and nobody gives you cab fare for you to come and go. You're taken for granted. And then one day, I have to say, stop playing my premiums. You're, you're destroying my audience. You know, the, you've got to have fewer premiums and a different way of raising money through foundations, through grants. Bring people in to help you who have experience in non-commercial radio. No. Just this, keep doing this. And, uh, and so that's why you've had to listen to so many times. You have no idea how many letters and emails. I have them all showing you, stop playing my premiums. But there, what was bringing in the, the money? Other premiums didn't. So on the one hand, they're with very few resources. And I would like to see the foundation start to look at what it means to be a station, a manager, program director, and a few engineers, and you're given a minimal amount and you're not making payroll, you're not making your budget. So that has to be considered. You know, that, that creates a very demoralizing environment where everyone's lurching every payday. Did we make payroll? What do you think it's like when you can't pay the rent. Oh, Gary, can you pay the rent? Okay. Oh, well, they're going to turn off the lights. Okay. They're going to turn off the phones. Okay. We'll pay you back. Never once. So you take all this and you keep saying, it'll get better, and it hasn't. And right now, the whole idea is there's a small group who wants to take over BAI, have the Federal Trade Commission not renew its license, and somehow they must think that they're going to get that license, how foolish is that? Because of FT, FTC, if they don't renew the license, they can give this license to any non-profit charitable organization. They could give it to a Christian group of broadcasters. Now, on top of all this, right now, there is a massive firing across all of terrestrial radio, meaning a regular radio stations. Just look at the layoffs. Vice had to lay off uh, almost all their employees. They'll probably close down. And look at uh, Sirius. Sirius laid off over 400 in just the month of March. And look at, uh, look, you add up all the different layoffs. Spotify, it's into the thousands and thousands, board operators, producers, 
we were fortunate enough to hire one of our new engineers named Ryan. Got a good background. He worked on non-commercial WE, uh, WFDU, uh, I believe it is, or O. What is it? Uh, and he also worked on ABC with Cousin Brucie, and I'm glad to see Cousin Brucie's still out there. I'm guessing he's in his mid-80s, but boy, uh, he's, he's just been terrific out there all these years for those people who want that music. But right now, people are not listening to terrestrial radio. I suggested go to the Internet. You've got 100,000 podcasters, and your shows cannot compete against them. Those shows are just too damn good. And they're hitting on topics people want to know about now without all the political bias. You don't want to start off with a predetermined conclusion because it satisfies your bias, whether you're on the right or left. And then look at all the other people say, don't tell me right or left. Don't tell me Democratic, but don't make conservative or liberal. Tell me the truth. Can you do that? And the answer is podcasters are doing that. So how are you going to compete against 100,000 people who are doing quality broadcasting? So you put that in your queue and that's what you go to once a week or once a day. And that's what we're up against. Where's the advertising budget? From 1976 to 2004, I was the number one source of all the public relations to promote the station. I even did it at risk of losing my own job once on ABC, where Mark Mason, a wonderful program director, uh, said, you can't promote another radio station when you're on our station. I said, well, then take it out of my salary as advertising. Whatever you want to do, it's non-commercial. It's not going to threaten you. They're not taking away your audience. We're just adding some of uh, my audience, not the stations, my audience, over to them. People didn't know that. Boy, did I see a reduction. The cleaning person made more money than I did at ABC. No one cared about that. No one cared what you do to help. You take it for granted. Well, there's a point in life where you take a person for granted, and then there's one last time. And this 80-year-old woman was one last time. So I told the station, they're not to offer any more of my premiums. All the premiums I was doing are gone. No more. Now, now get the other programs, including programs that I'm watching, that don't do any pitching at all. Why not? None. Well, why are you allowed on the air if you don't do any pitching? I mean, it's... There has to be a way of bringing some professional standards to bear on the quality of the broadcast and, and empowering the station. BAI deserves to exist, but it's got to help itself. And just doing the same over and over and over again will not do it. Because how many times have I seen people not get their premiums either at all or in a timely manner? That's a person that's not going to pitch or pledge again in the future. I want you to pledge. I want you to support the station. I want you to support some of the outstanding programs it has. At the same time that BAI is being led up this, the steps of the guillotine by those who talk about freedom. What a contradiction. The internecine conflicts have never ceased. And I don't see that elsewhere. But here, it's unique. Anyhow, uh, so if you want to hear me in the future, better write down this number because I'll be on the air on PRN and we're doing a lot of work there. Um, here's the Listen Live number. 
I'm going to give you two, 641-793-7091, 641-793-7091. The other number, if that's busy, is 605-562-5119, 605-562-5119. And there's no commercials. There's someone who bought an app and used my name, and, and you try to listen over the telephone, and you get all these ads. Mine don't have that. And if you miss a show and just want to go to the archive, the archive number is 631-359-9463. 631-359-9463. And to those out there who are the never-do-wells of, of accepting anything, who seem to live with a constant negative impression of, of anyone that they disagree with, BAI didn't make my career, as they would like to falsely claim that I somehow profit from the station. Really? That means I must profit from all the people I've counseled, the 60 plus thousand. I've never charged a penny to a single person for counseling. I've done 5,000 free lectures. I've raised this station over $45 million and still take into account what I've not been gotten, even my salary, which now over 48 years would have been around in the neighborhood of $2 million. And that's without including PFW and BAI or KPFK, and yet I have never taken anything on the air. I keep bringing positive information or positive insights, and uh, that's the way I'll do it. And also, when I look back at BAI at its best, I look back at Rick Harris, the arts director, and Peter Beauchamp, and Samori Marksman, and uh, and Rosemary Mealy, and so many, Eileen Zaliskin, Lex Hickson, and I think back, wow, wonderful broadcasting. And there are lots more, but wonderful broadcasting. But um, everything has an expiration date, and mine on BAI commences in two weeks. And uh, I left PFW because I found out that they weren't fulfilling my premiums at all. And I said, you can't do this. You can't do this. But they did it. And so I left. KPFK, I just got tired of all the, the hate radio. They wouldn't change. I left. So that's the way it is. All right? So I, I am empathetic with the management because they've been given so few tools. And that's on the foundation and its leadership. Now, let's go on to something positive, and uh, I'm going to play some clips for you now. First off, we've been lied to, and it's not conspiracy theory, by everyone in the media and everyone within the scientific and medical community who knew the truth or could have found the truth and chose not to, and as well as all of our governmental agencies when it comes to COVID, but they're still promoting it. Here's do you remember, I was the first radio show, by the way, in the United States to get on the subject of these self-organizing nanoparticles. This was two years ago. And I said that morticians are finding this in cadavers and they can't embalm because the arteries and veins, both systems, are clogged with these uh, rubbery band and some go feet long that clog up an artery. This is not a normal blood clot. We've never seen this before in science. And I remember people saying, well, that couldn't be true. That couldn't be true. 
Well, it is true. And if you watch this, go to prn.live, scroll down to archive, scroll down to Gary's notes, you'll see John Campbell and Neil Oliver discussing this with photographs of this. Now, their whole conference is on this, but still not a single person has said this is a problem with the vaccine. And mind you, they're talking about 20% of all dead people being embalmed have this in them. Does that give you an idea of why so many people will be dying that we didn't anticipate tens of millions in the United States? And then I'll show you a clip of people who died who were influencers. These are people that were given money, money to promote the... uh, We'll play that tomorrow. But these are all these young people in their teens and 20s, and they would get $1,000. Nobody knew this. They were getting $1,000 by our government to promote the vaccines to their, their followers. And they would take the vaccines, and then they died. And turbo cancers that we've never seen before, suddenly it would appear in them. Healthy young people with no risk factors, dropping dead. And now we have a compilation of them in their own words including those who are in hospital beds and, you know, saying, I took the vaccines and then this happened, this happened, now I'm dying. All right? So if I have to drive this home to you, what you finally do is your business. But just remember, this is Russian roulette. And I, do, I wouldn't want to see you in this position. Let's go to John Campbell and Neil Oliver discussing this in a short video. Welcome back. Now, Dr. John Campbell, who's also a familiar face on this show, says the evidence is physical. It exists. You can see it, feel it, put it under a microscope. It's real. He's referring to blood clots being found by coroners, morticians, and those who look after the bodies of the dead. Dr. John Campbell joins me now. Hello, John. Thank you for making time. Always a pleasure, Neil. Thank you. What are we looking at? What are we seeing? And I, I think we have footage and, and imagery to give people a, a glimpse. It really is like something out of a low-grade novel, Neil, isn't it? You've got this new or apparently completely new pathology being found in dead bodies around the world. And we know that these have been found, these strange, mysterious, long rubbery white clots have been found in bodies in the united kingdom the united states canada uh, new zealand australia now i have actually heard about these some time ago but i didn't realize how abundant they were and then i was interviewing major tom haviland who's a data analyst in the states and he's actually reached out to 269 embalmers with an average of 15 years experience each uh, embalming about 100 bodies a year on average per person And in the year 2023, uh, 73% of these embalmers have observed these strange, white, stringy, rubbery clots. Really quite incredible. And if you take into account the embalmers that didn't see any, it was still in 20% of the dead bodies. And it seems to be pretty similar in the United States and in the United Kingdom. And we really don't know what these are. These are a new pathology. And as you said in the introduction, this is real. It's not a bad story. These rubbery clots that can be an inch long or can be up to 30 inches long are there and have been pulled out of the arterial systems and the venous systems of dead bodies. And there's some anecdotal reports of them being pulled out of living bodies by surgeons as well. But we know for sure 
in, in about 20% of dead bodies. And these didn't occur prior to 2020. So previously, they'd never heard of. Um, in 2020, some people saw very small numbers, but then lots in 2021, 2022, 2023. As someone immersed in the medical world, the medical fraternity, do you get a sense that anyone anywhere is putting serious consideration into all of the possible explanations for where something new has appeared in the last handful of years? Not really. I don't really get that impression, Neil. And in fact, the way that postmortems are done, well, firstly, there's fewer postmortems done in the United Kingdom at the moment, and I believe in the United States. But the way they're done, they take out blocks of organs and don't really analyse the vascular system in that much detail. And one of the undertakers, as we was uh, talking to on this, he'd actually got a body that had been postmortemed autopsied, came back into his facility. He was trying to embalm this body because relatives wanted viewings. And as he was taking, he was trying to, um, he was looking at the body and he, he couldn't get the embalming fluid around the body. And he pulled out a 30 inch clot from the femoral artery in the leg. It really is quite incredible. The big question, of course, is when did these clots form? Were they forming or starting to form in the months, weeks, hours before death? Is it a peri-death phenomena? Is it a post-mortem only phenomena? It does appear that there are some cases where this occur these occurred in life. But either way, it doesn't matter. I've talked to about 20 doctors around the world now, including three or four medical professors, a couple of pathologists, and, and many doctors and physicians and surgeons, and they'd never heard of this. This does appear to be a genuinely new pathology. John, bear with me while I uh, involve Tonya, who's in the studio with me. Okay, now it's everywhere. Doctors, scientists, all over the world, morticians are finding it, and it's the percentage of the corpses that they're, they're finding it in. And how many of those people were vaccinated? Well, two-thirds of the American population were vaccinated with at least two vaccines, some more. And that's not good. Will the government, Fauci, or anyone else do an official investigation on it? Absolutely not. Because what are you going to say all the people that haven't yet done the examination to see do they have these clots in their body? That would just scare everyone, knowing that there you could have an instant heart attack, and that's exactly what happened to a lot of people. Now I want to go over to this. How many people died from the COVID vaccines? There are actual good figures out there now. This is a Steve Kirsch. Let's take a look at this. The lies we were told about the COVID vax were so grotesque and so overwhelming that it's almost hard to watch them just two years later. But we should, because the people who told them are still effectively in charge. Here's one. It's from 2021. This is CDC Director Rochelle Walensky telling us, informing us, that anyone who takes the vax and then somehow manages to get infected, but that would never happen. But if it did happen, that person would not be able to spread the virus to anyone else. We promise. Watch. Can you, if you were to get infection with and vaccinated, could you give it to somebody else? Were you silently able to spread it? Those data were not covered in the clinical trials, but now data have emerged again that have demonstrated that even if you were to get uh, infected during uh, post-vaccination, that you can't give it to anyone no. else. Why hasn't she been charged with a crime? Well, she never will be. Uh, and of course, just a few years later, it turns out the whole thing was a disaster of world historic proportions. Books will be written about this at some point when we can tell the truth about it. 
a lot of people were killed or permanently disabled by it. How many is the question? How many people were hurt by the vax? How many people were killed by the vax that was mandatory? Well, we just spoke to Brett Weinstein on this show, Professor Brett Weinstein. He told us he's seen research that up to 17 million people across the globe may have died from it. Watch. I was recently at a conference uh, in Romania on the COVID crisis. And so there was a lot of work trying to unpack what we actually understand. And I saw a credible estimate of something like 17 million deaths uh, globally from this technology. So 17 million deaths from the COVID vax? Well, when you know, when you scale up to billions, uh, it's not hard to reach a number like that with a technology this dangerous. Now, to your deeper question, I think, let's steel man. Just for perspective, I mean, that's like the death toll of a global war. Yes, absolutely. It is, this is a, a, a great tragedy of history. So that proportion. 17 million. So there you have Professor Brett Weinstein saying 17 million dead. And in the United States, the best figures I can find are in the neighborhood of 600,000 dead, 1.5 million seriously injured, many life-threatening, and they will die in time because of that, and 16 million adverse effects. None of this is being acknowledged by our government that has controlled the figures, controlled the narrative, but now there are multiple stories that we'll be sharing with you of um, the hid the evidence, hid the evidence. Hmm. Now those are those are three uh, different confirmations, all on the same topic. Deadly, silent killer in your veins and arteries growing, and uh, what to do about it. Well, I'm going to be bringing on the program in the next week or two, three individuals who have ways of helping stop the spike protein in your body from duplicating itself, causing autoimmune conditions. Oh, that's another thing. They promised to that the spike protein just be in your deltoid muscle would never go to your brain or anywhere else. Not true. Went all over the body. And they knew it before it was released. All this they knew, they covered it up. Well, when you cover up that kind of crime against humanity, shouldn't someone be held accountable? Depends upon who got money in the legislative process and PAC groups or uh, from which industries. And those people are identified. Now think about that for a moment. Just stop and think. You have something that's never been used in history before. It's not does not uh, represent a traditional vaccine. There's no quality, long-term placebo-controlled studies showing the impact. And a placebo should be an inert substance, not another vaccine comparing to a vaccine, which is one of the games they played, or a chemotherapy agent compared to another chemotherapy agent, which is also another game they played. It should be an inert substance. And then, they immediately rush all over the world in every country to make sure that Bill Gates, Anthony Fauci, everyone involved in distributing anything on the vaccines is identified. Now, you can't do that with a statin. You can't do that with a food. You can't do that with a, an aspirin. If you get sick from something, you can sue, but not on vaccines. But yet the vaccine, at least what they're calling a vaccine, which is literally a biologically constructed uh, organism that had never existed before. There were no long-term studies. Everything was rushed through. That represents the greatest threat to humanity. 
And now we're seeing all the different ways that it's manifest in the ovaries, causing sterility in men and women, and stillbirths and miscarriages, 5,000% increase in miscarriages. It's now out of their control. It's now 3,500 scientific studies authors saying, this is bad, nobody should be getting this vaccine, and especially not those who are most vulnerable, the children. And I even have an increase in cardiovascular risk for children and teenagers who use it. That's a new study, but I'll get to that on another day. So when they've done all this wrong, why are 47% of all Americans willing to keep getting the vaccines? What is missing in their conscious awareness of cause and effect that they're not willing to do their homework? That's a question without a proper answer at this time. And we need that answer. We're going off WBI now. And remember, you've got your phone numbers, so the day when you don't hear me on the air, you can go to that number and uh, you'll be able to listen to me. I'll give it again, 605-562-5119. And I don't want people laying the blame on Bertold or Linda. Radio stations have whole groups of people working, whole groups working together on a common goal, keeping the station viable, growing its audience, and that hasn't happened in a long time. And then you just get behind. And when you get behind to the level that all the stations are behind, the outcome inevitably is they're going to sell one of those stations to support the survival of the other stations. And unfortunately, this time it just happens to be BAI that some people believe uh, should be sacrificed. BAI has a tiny little audience, but it's a loyal audience. And there's some really good programming on BAI. And the people do the best they can with the tools they have. It's just that from my perspective, I have to say, change what needs to be changed and let the national office know that this is not a formula you're using that's going to survive. It can't. I can't be the only person raising money for the station in any meaningful way. And, uh, and it's just, you know, I've done this for 48 years. That's a long time. That's more than two full work lifetimes. And, uh, and they've got to change the system. If they can do that, if they can get a system where all of the, uh, when money comes in, the first money that comes in on a pledge goes immediately to buy the premium and have an outside company that you pay a fee to that does the fulfillment and you track it. So if there's a question, where's my premium? Someone will have a notice. They can track it, call it just like UPS or FedEx or one of the other delivery systems. And also get common with the marketplace, meaning people are used to calling in and ordering something today and getting it tomorrow or the next day, not weeks or months later. And there's, you know, young people are not going to tolerate that. Older people may, but we've got to change how we're doing things. If we were able to make those changes, then I would reassess my position. But right now, every time I'm promised changes, I've not seen any coming that really address the issue. So that's where we're at. Anyhow, I want to thank you all for listening. And uh, I want to thank you for the support. Continue supporting WBAI. It needs support. At the same time that there's the most outrageous uh, attempt to try to uh, de-license it which means that then 
everything you've heard will be gone. They'll put something else in this place. And uh, it didn't have to be this way. But there's a lot of people who could say, hold up their hand and say, you know something? Yeah, uh, we could have done it differently and done it better. But just like with the environmental tipping points, once it tips, you can't untip it. And that's where we're at right now. So let's see what happens. Have a nice day, everyone.